Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. Hello and welcome to the another episode of the Manchester United Weekly Podcast. We're joined by Vavil UK's Liverpool editor, Charlie Mallam, as we talk Northwest Derby. Still the biggest in the country, but not quite the best in quality, was it? Uh, United won, Liverpool won, as Paul Pogba put in his worst ball to United shirt, and others on both sides look distinctly average. Uh, as always, after this, we've got our extensive youth and loan roundup as an under-18s game is postponed due to the weather. While the under 23s play Liverpool like the first team just after we record this. Uh, we'll start with Charlie. Cheers for coming on. Yeah, no problem. We both spoke to you before the game, um, and I went for a 3 2 classic United win. Uh, <laughs> yeah. Not quite. What, what did you make of it? Well, it was a strange game, really, wasn't it? Because I, I think we come away from it, and I don't think either were particularly better than it. I think United definitely had the better chances, I think, in the first half, Mkhitaryan, and especially Pogba, when he uh, when he put it wide at the far post. Um, but then I didn't feel United were generally, across the full 90 minutes, I think United were probably the better team in the first half, and then Liverpool probably edged at the second half and had a few better chances, and then probably, until the goal, I thought we kept you to very few chances, really. Uh and it's strange because both teams come away disappointed in the end, don't they? Because United really, if you take those chances in the first half, you could very easily have gone away with the full three points. Whereas Liverpool was so close to uh, just holding out. And the three points would have been massive for Liverpool, obviously, because they'd have gone back up to second, five points off Chelsea. But I think in the end, probably a point is fair for both teams. And I think when you consider that Liverpool were missing... Sadio Mane, Jordan Henderson's only just come back, Joel Matip wasn't fit, uh, who else? Philip Coutinho was on the bench, so we, we had a few big names missing really, so I thought, given the performance we, we put in with Trent Alexander-Arnold making his, his, like, he's only played one minute of Premier League football before that, so I thought he did really well, and, uh, as a team performance, I was quite pleased with it, with it really, even though we, we, uh, obviously didn't hang on at the end. Yeah, that's the thing, because, as I said, I predicted 3-2 before uh, before the game, a couple of days before the game, but then the lineups come out, and you see Alexander-Arnold, who I've watched for uh, Liverpool's youth side in England, but he, he's a really good talent, but at, at any level, you're 18 and you're making your debut, your full debut. Oh, you? yeah, all chatter, yeah. Exactly, yeah. Exactly. I, was, I was nervous, because there was a couple of times early on where Anthony Martial, especially... Um, was it the first half, I think, where he, cu- he cuts inside yeah, yeah. Alexander-Arnold and tries to get a shot away, and I was thinking, oh no, this could be... I I, I rate Alexander-Arnold highly, but sometimes there's, there's, it's th- there's being thrown in at the deep end, and then there's being thrown in away at Old Trafford against a United team that have won nine on the bounce and that are unbeaten in 15 games, so I was quite worried, but then... I thought he coped with it. He, he got better as the game grew up, as went through, certainly. So, um, I think generally, bar a couple of moments, like Lovren's back pass, uh, that was, uh, that had my heart in my mouth. And then 
a couple of other occasions. I think generally we defended quite well. There's, I think a lot of United's chances, <clears throat> bar the Mkhitaryan one, which was which was really bizarre defending. I don't know why Clavan steps up, uh, tries to play him offside when when Lovren's about three yards behind him. Um, bar that, I think it's just United's quality really that that carved open the chances, particularly the one for Pogba. I didn't think our defending was was that bad throughout the game. No, it definitely wasn't. I was impressed with Alexander-Arnold, and I was partly pleased to see him in there because he's a weaker choice than Klein, but I was also partly pleased just to see an 18-year-old getting into into a first team in a team as good as Liverpool, even if it's as a backup. Um, King, we should be winning this comfortably. And I, I know that I know that teams don't really matter in these kind of games. It's a classic cliche, and results don't, and form doesn't, and everything like that. But that said, without Mane, who's been vital to you, not just in terms of his quality as a player, but also in terms of what he gives to you that no other player does, in terms of that width on the pitch, and we definitely saw that restricted until Coutinho came on, even though he was playing in the middle, which just helped that. And also, Joel Matip not being uh, allowed to play, or maybe being allowed to play, but who, who knows. Um, FIFA being traditionally unorganised. No surprise. Yeah, Jack, for you looking at the uh, at the two starting levels before the end, you must have thought like me, we should we should be winning this comfortably, given that we we beat Liverpool three 0 with a, a midfield of like Rooney, Matter, Valencia, Young, and um, I think it was Fellaini. De- definitely, the I was very happy with the team we put out, and as you said, very happy when I saw Liverpool's team. Liverpool were missing so many uh, of their star players, but. Team teams form everything goes out the window in games like this because it all just becomes about who can deal with the, the occasion and the pressure better. And Liverpool definitely did that um, for most of the game. I think we, I think we definitely left feeling like we we could have played so much better. I think Liverpool Liverpool could have played better themselves, but I think it was a, it was a better draw for Liverpool than it was for us. Especially given the amount of people that Liverpool had out and the kind of teams that both teams are putting out, it was definitely a disappointing performance. Especially we, I mean, Alexander Arnold played very, very well. I have to say, Martial was corralled very well. And credit to Jurgen Klopp actually because I uh, I tweeted about this during the game, but I don't know if you noticed that every single time Martial had the ball, there was immediately two or three players on him every single time. They never let Alexander Arnold get isolated against Martial, uh, which is great planning from Liverpool. And very good by the manager and and the players to recognise that and to deal with it straight away. Yeah, and and Klopp did well. well we're going to move on to Pogba. We can't really avoid it. But as we say, we should have won. And the the draw is disappointing for both teams. But I think Liverpool probably would have taken... Charlie, am I right in saying you would have taken that free game with your injury situation? I think so, because looking at the lineup and and the situation with which both teams went into it with in the form obviously the form that united were on and we'd had a bit of a a, a blip to start 2017 i think we were just looking at it thinking we cannot afford to lose because if you lose you fall eight points behind chelsea with with obviously chelsea coming up later this month and you go into a couple of, of tough games coming up cause you've got that southampton second leg which we've got a a deficit to overturn as well i think we go into it with our not I wouldn't say not without any confidence because with the quality we've got with our manager performance and the result that we that we come away with after yesterday definitely reinforces that we 
we'll go on and win the league. That's a completely different matter because Chelsea look phenomenal. Even yes, even against Leicester without Diego Costa, they they swept them aside so comfortably. Um, but I think I do think that we can go on and have a successful season. What, what whether that means silverware or whether that just means second or third. I was really encouraged by the performance given the players that we were that we were missing. And then for the rest of the season now, we've got ten. Ten of our last seventeen games are at home, and um, we've had a really strong home. I think we've only lost three games at home under Klopp since he came in, um, and we've played most of the big teams away from home. I think we've only got City to go, and then we've obviously got all the rest of the. the uh, we've got Arsenal, Spurs, those kind of teams to welcome to Anfield. So uh, it's certainly going to be interesting. Yeah. So let's move on to to Paul Pogba as much as I, as I don't want to. But, um, an, an abysmal performance in the first half, below average in the second half, not quite as shocking, but pretty bad. Firstly, the fact he wasn't taken off Lovren, even after the penalty is nonsensical, doesn't, doesn't make sense. You or you did, but then after the penalty definitely should have happened. And uh, I think Pogba probably should have said himself to Mourinho or character as captain in that first half, switch me. Right, that that's what a responsible player does. But apart from that mistake, he he was really bad. Losing the ball, everything like that. But I just want to say, look, he was terrible, like shocking. But suggestions that this this whole hashtag Pogba emoji on Twitter affected his performance, I think that's ridiculous. The reason he's bad in that game, having been brilliant for three months, almost every time nominated for man of the match, almost every time probably deserving of man of the match was because every time he touched the ball like we said about Martial earlier uh, uh, what Jack said about uh, Jürgen Klopp protecting Alexander-Arnold by having three on Martial three Liverpool players won Pogba every time he touched the ball within a second maximum that's all all the time he had on the ball he's never really had to play like that and I wasn't really supported by Carrick like he usually is Carrick got taken off at half time I, I can only assume he was ill or injured because he didn't look the player that he usually is and he's one that definitely isn't one to, to fall to the occasion. But he's unnerved after about three or four minutes because he's never played in this situation before by that, that unusual sort of press from Liverpool that most teams in England can't do with three players or two players at least on, on the same play every time. And then he misses a good chance. Then he gives away a stupid penalty, probably having known that he kept losing his marker. Um, and as I said, when he, when he knew that, he probably should have told a senior player or the manager. But now you've got a nervous player who needs to prove a point in a big game. I mean, does that remind you of anyone? I mean, it, it, to me, it sounds like Pogba early in the season, in September, when he was trying to prove himself after breaking the, the world record transfer. It's exactly the same. But even worse, because he'd been so pumped pre-game for, for a United Liverpool game, which is the reason he'd come back to United. He- everything. And he can't do everything because no player in the world can do everything. And, he, and, and Gary Neville said it at pre-game that he was a bit overhyped. He comes charging out of the tunnel. He's trying to get the fans going, waving his arms about. And so you've got the fact he's trying to prove a point mixed with the fact he's overhyped for this big game. And you've got this complete mess of, of in his head. Jack, would you agree with that or do you think he's rubbish and can't defend it? <laughs> uh, yeah, just sell him now. Get rid of him. <laughs> <laughs> no, I, I, I agree. It was Pogba looked like he was trying too hard every single time he got the ball. It was, it's as if he got onto the big stage and thought, 
I need to prove to everyone why I'm so good. And every time he got the ball, he wanted to go past five people and make four, five assists and score six goals every time he wanted, he touched the ball. Um, like the, the, the worst one for me, and Reed just showed this was, um, in the second half, he got the ball, I think just inside the Liverpool half and immediately had two players on him, like you said. And he turned like he was facing his own goal. There were two centre backs there. He could have just played a simple pass to one of the one of them, and he tried to turn past three people, and we lost the ball. And Liverpool ended up going on the counter attack, um, and it was just it was a very unnecessary thing to even attempt. And it was just him trying to prove to everyone that he that he is good, and he doesn't need to. He just needs to keep playing the way that he has been. But again, as you said, credit to Liverpool for the way that they defended against him because obviously Liverpool's press is good anyway, but particularly against Pogba and against Carrick, to be fair. Um, Liverpool are the one team who, in the last few months, have managed to shut down Michael Carrick, and it showed his importance to our team because Liverpool shut down like they didn't give him time on the ball. They shut down his effectiveness, and it really, really affected us. Carrick comes off for Rooney at half time. Fair enough, an odd substitution. I was slightly, I was slightly, I was very surprised at that. And Rooney, Rooney was getting a lot of criticism after on various social media, and yeah, he wasn't brilliant. contributed to changing the game, putting more effort in and drawing more effort from his teammates because everyone, for however poor a player he is now, the, the leadership quality is still there. So, I don't know, I don't know from from a non-Rooney supporting perspective, Charlie, would, did you look at him and think that's a player we can take advantage of or did you look at him and think that's a worry for us? When Rooney came on, well, like you said, I thought it was quite bizarre that Carrick went off because I thought while we did quite well to prevent him having the impact that he usually does on United, I, I didn't think he was particularly poor. I didn't think he was expecting to bring you to bring off, but I didn't think it was Carrick. And then I, I tweeted before the game that I just had this feeling in my head that Rooney would come on and that he'd get that 250th goal. But I think I got the the impression that he had that in his head too and he was so keen to make that happen. And obviously, I think everyone inside the stadium would have loved, well, bar the 3,000 away fans, they would have loved Rooney to, to break the record against Liverpool because it would just be so perfect, wouldn't it? Narrative-wise, yeah. having been a, an Everton youngster as well, um, but I'm not sure. I think we were we did much better defensively in the second half. So I don't think Rooney really, really had much chance to have an impact when he came on. But like you say, with his leadership and it, there's always the potential that he can that he can change the game in an instant because while he might not be the, the player that he was 10 years ago, he still has a lot of quality and he he can he can still change almost any game. So I, I was worried, but by the time it was getting to the, to the 80th, 85th minute, I was thinking, come on, we can, we can do this. We can, we can hold this out. And then you just started applying a bit more pressure. And we, uh, the, the goal was a strange one because I, I don't think it came through any errors? I don't think maybe watching it back a few times, there wasn't that many chances where you thought, oh, just put it, put it out of play or anything like that. So I think it was just a product of you put a lot of 
pressure on us throughout that second half and the intensity of that, I think it just, just paid through at the end. Yeah, I, I think it was a deserved draw for, for both teams. Yeah, definitely. I, strangely, because usually after a draw, you, you still feel that there's one team that deserves a win. But really, after that game, I couldn't really say that either team deserved a win. Because Liverpool were yeah. good in the second half, they didn't really deserve that goal in the first half. Um, and were defensively uh, dodgy that time um, and didn't threaten that much attacking wise the United were just all, all over um, Zatan Ibrahimovic only Dwight York and Drew Bannister scored more goals for United in their first 20 Premier League game 14 goals top goal scorer on a three from PSG plus Well, he's going to take off. <laughs> it's been uh, what a signing. Hey, uh, I mean, I can't. I still can't quite believe how well he's turned out. Honestly, like I didn't, I didn't kind of go with this narrative that his career was finished and that he was over the hill. But I definitely didn't expect him to come in and have this much of an impact straight away. And also, like his finish for that goal was very underrated as well because that was not an easy header. Um, he had, oh, to, he had to stoop to, to get that anywhere near on goal and then to place it that well to get it over Mignolet. That was a brilliant header. Um, and he, I mean, his, his general play wasn't amazing yesterday, but the one thing you can count on with Ibrahimovic is that if he gets a chance, generally he's going to put it away. And he, he seems to, his finishing just seems to go up a level when it's in big moments in, in, uh, towards the end of the game when his team really needs it as well. And I mean, it was a brilliant header. But as you said, a draw definitely, definitely the right result in the end. Neither team, it it almost wasn't so much that it was a very. They they deserve to win, I think. Yeah, another another poor quality United game. Another another game that is Bill Sucker. So yeah, not, not seems like it's been on now, doesn't it? Yeah, another game that's built up as a season-defining moment and ends in a draw. Um, yeah. And I guess it was nice because usually we're kind of used to... I've grown up in Liverpool United. One team is much better in much better form and in much better position yeah. in the league table than the other. And then it's always translated into like a one-sided game, really. I can't remember many... Too many United Liverpool games where it's been a, a real even game that you just don't know which way it's going to go, and that kind of was so as, as frustrating as it was for the uh, thinking back that we didn't win the game. It was at least nice to see that, I suppose. Yeah, David Harbour was up three two. Brings back good memories. Uh, <laughs> Bad memories. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> we're not going to mention a certain Spanish striker's name on this on this podcast. Um, <laughs> Or Nemanja Vidic. Um, anyway, we better let you go in a second, but just as a last point, um, where, who's, who's gonna finish above who? That is a, that is a tough question. Um, well, it, it's, it's so difficult to call this season, isn't it? Because it, it does seem like we say it every year now, but this is the most level Premier League, I think, with a competitive Premier League season, I think I've ever seen because just when you think one team, just when you think Chelsea are so far above the rest, then look at Spurs now. Look how well they're playing. Um, Liverpool early in the season were obviously 
they're not quite not quite at the level now that we were maybe a few months ago, but yet we've still only lost two games and we've lost the we've won thirteen of twenty one, which is obviously very good with the squad and with what everyone expected of us. And then you can never really write off Arsenal. Yes, they'll probably have their traditional post February slide, but then the quality they've got, you can't really it's it's hard to call because I do think I would be surprised and obviously massively disappointed if, if from now Liverpool didn't finish inside the top four because from the first half of the season we've given ourselves such a good foundation to go on and have a good successful second half, especially with our fixtures and and how many home games we've got compared to away. Um, but then, like I say, it's so competitive, you just can't call it. I, I, it's hard to see. I think at the minute it, it's difficult to say anyone bar Chelsea are going to win the league just because they look so good at the minute at the moment. Um, and I think everyone's sort of relying on hopefully Diego Costa maybe pushing his way out to China and then having a bit of a slip after that. But whether that happens, who knows? And then bar that, Spurs are looking really good at the minute. Their defence is, I, w- I would say their defence is the best in the league. Toby Alderweireld, I think, is the best defender in the Premier League. He's phenomenal. And Harry Kane with the, with the form that he's in, Ericsson. So I I hope that Liverpool can go on and finish second and third. As as for United, I'm, I'm not sure because if you can carry the form that you're on at the minute, it's so difficult to look past you for the top four. But at the start of the season, even though it was Mourinho's first season and you obviously welcomed quite a lot of new signings in, I would have had you nailed down for the top four just because I thought... Ibrahimovic had come in. I, I didn't think maybe he'd have this many goals at this stage, but I did think he'd get 15 or so across the season. So he's done really, really well. And then obviously... ...at the start, didn't he, with uh, with injuries and breaking into the team. But the, when you've got Mkhitaryan in your team, you just look so much better. And then with Carrick allows Pogba to... Obviously, Pogba wasn't great yesterday, but I still think he's a very, very good player, and I think he'll he will go on and have a phenomenal career. I really would be surprised if he didn't go on and become one of the best players in the world and one of the best players of his generation. Really, uh, he has that much potential at such a young age. Um, so it's it's I'll I'll say that I'll, I don't think Arsenal are going to drop out of the top four. Chelsea won't. Liverpool won't. I think maybe. Maybe United will just fall short, but then it's hard to call what happens to City too. Because at, at the start of the season, I said City would win the league, and that just looks stupid now, doesn't it? I, I thought City, especially after them first ten games, was thinking, "Oh my God, who's going to stop these?" And now, now they just can't get going again, can they? Every, every, they seem to put together a good win they, they, when they won it. They won at Arsenal against Arsenal, didn't they? And I was there for that. Um, and they were they, that second half. They were so much better, and I thought, "Oh, hang on, here we go." Then this might this might be Guardiola getting his things together now. And it, it, it'll be thrashed by Everton. So let's say Liverpool, Chelsea will win the league. Liverpool second. That's that's. I just realised that's quite ambitious. But well, well, Arsenal third. City no. Yeah, City 4, Spurs 5, United 6. Oh, it's so hard to call and I'm going to regret that when United finish 2nd and Liverpool 5th, aren't I? <laughs> I'm, I'm holding that to you. Yeah. I might make it clear for that. I'll bring it back, yeah. Um, <laughs> I'll 
Um, thank you very much for coming on. Give us a little plug. Of no problem. Thank you for having me. Yeah, uh, well, I uh, most of my stuff is on Valve UK, so follow me on Twitter, Charlie Malam, um, C-H-A-R-L-I-E-M-A-L-A-M, uh, and I usually plug most of my best work on there. Nice one. Thank you again for having me. Thank you. Cheers, mate. Right, let's have some youth news. Manchester United's under-18s trip to Stoke City on Saturday was postponed due to a waterlogged pitch. Uh, the weather not too good around that time on Saturday morning. The under-23s, meanwhile, play Liverpool an hour or so after this recording. So check out our Twitter at UTD Weekly Pod POD for the result of that. Or There's more low news, though. Uh, with five United loanies in action, Dean Henderson started a fifth consecutive game for Grimsby Town on Saturday, but couldn't keep out three goals as they were well beaten. That's in a 3-1 loss against Stoke City. Not going well for David Moyes. Sunderland, is it? Cameron Borthwick-Jackson remains out in the cold. A worse situation um, at Wolves and is expected to be recalled, but why he hasn't yet is a mystery. Um, halfway through the transfer window now one one player that's recently gone out on loan is goalkeeper Sam Johnston and he started a second consecutive game for Steve Bruce's Aston Villa having joined them about a week ago meanwhile Andreas Pereira started for Granada against Osuasuna in La Liga he's playing well there Guillermo Verla remains unavailable as Eintracht Frankfurt didn't include him in the squad for a friendly ahead of the return of the Bundesliga although he is expected to return soon having had surgery on an ankle ligament injury uh, that happened in September, so should be back in the next month. Eric Bay, this isn't low news, but international news played the full 90 minutes and helped Ivory Coast to keep a clean sheet during their 0-0 draw versus Togo at the Africa Cup of Nations. Jack, only one game this week. It was very odd having no midweek game. Um, going to get a surprising amount of work done this week. Um, but <laughs> anyway, um, against Stoke City on Saturday, three o'clock kickoff as well. That's also odd. Um, not on TV. What are you going for this? We'll be very quick. What score? Um, I, Stoke away is never easy, but Stoke this season are not quite the same animal they've been in previous seasons. Um, they did just come off. A good result of the weekend, but I'm going to go for a 2 0 win with Ibrahimovic and Mkhitaryan uh, getting on the score sheet. Annoyingly, I'm not going to be able to watch this game because I have an exam. Even if I have an exam Saturday morning, America time. So, I'm not going to be able to watch this game, but hopefully, I will come out of the exam to a nice United win to cheer me up. <laughs> That's what you want, especially if the exam's gone bad. Um, I will go optimistically. United to bounce back for exactly the same as me. 2 0. Yeah, and so that's time to get his, what is it, his 15th Premier League goal of the season and, and stay with the pack in, in the bid for the Golden Boot. Golden Boot at 35 would be astonishing. I, he, if, he, if he does get it, and I don't think he actually will, but if he does, um, he must be the oldest Golden Boot winner. In Premier League history, not not in Division One history. Surely, 
yeah, off the top of my head, I can't think of anyone who would who would challenge him for that. Um, anyway, we haven't got any questions. Um, lazy listeners, we need more questions. Um, we'll make up to make up the final <laughs> few minutes on this. Uh, but uh, to be honest, that is all we have time for. Um, series two, episode twenty-one of the Manchester United Weekly Podcast. Uh, as we finally have a midweek off with no Europa League, no FA Cup, no League Cup. Um, but don't worry, it's full steam ahead after this weekend with four games in 11 days. Um, next up is Stoke City on Saturday. For more from us, check out www.manchesterunitedweeklypodcast.com or follow us on Twitter at UTD Weekly Pod. That's P-O-D. Um, you can follow Jack at... At UTD Tate, T-A-I-T. In fact, Harry, I have I have something that could fill the last couple of minutes. We did this with we did this earlier with Charlie. Let's let's we got seventeen games left in the season now. We've had a supposedly season defining game against Liverpool. Where are Man United gonna finish? And what's the top six gonna look like? Uh we're gonna finish ooh, We're gonna finish fourth as City miss out. Um, it's tough. My heart says fourth, but my head, in my head, I'm not sure who is going to drop out other than City to let us in. But I don't want to, I don't want to say fifth. I'm going to go fourth. I'm going to go fourth and Arsenal to miss out along with City. Oh, that would be satisfying. I'll take that. Take that eight days a week. Anyway, that's a, that's a very nice way of filling the last minute there. Well done. And, um, that is now all we have time for on series to episode 21 of the Manchester United Weekly Podcast. A little reminder, as you can find more from us at www.manchesterunitedweeklypodcast.com. Follow us at UTD Weekly Pod, that's P-O-D on Twitter. Follow Jack at UTD Tate, that's T-A-I-T, and a nice and easy, simple name for you now. Follow me at Harry Robinson 64 on Twitter for more from us. As always, thanks for tuning in. Goodbye. Network.